Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. So, Aaron, Force Friday or Rogue Friday? Which is it? I've been calling it Force Friday. Is it supposed to be called Rogue Friday? I, I don't know. I've heard both. I mean, I think that the main logo is like Force Friday with like Rogue One underneath it. So I think some people have been calling it like Rogue Friday. Um, I vote we just keep it the same name every year. Yeah, that Force makes things Friday. simpler. Lots easier. And then people don't have to order, all the stores don't have to order new, like, setup stuff. New signage, yeah. <laughs> new signage. It's no, it's good. Site. If they have to order the new stuff, then they have to get rid of the old stuff. Oh, right. And then then we, we can, can get all the old stuff. Dumpster dive and get the big, like, BB 8 life size cutouts. <laughs> I actually have a life size. It's almost, I mean, it's like as tall as me. It's the Star Wars logo from JCPenney. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's right. I think I saw you like talking about trying to hang that up on your wall or something. Yeah, it's like the size of you know, like when you win it, you win money and they give you the big fake check. It's like big like that. Nice. I used to have from way back Phantom Menace. Um, Taco Bell was the one that had all the like toys and stuff for them, and they had these floor clings that they used in their restaurants, where it was basically when you walk into the restaurant, there was this thing like stuck on the floor of. Anakin Skywalker in a pod racer. Oh, gross. You have one of those? And I have, well, gross. it's not. Do you know what spilled on that? It was like... never used. It was an unused oh. one, still rolled up, still stuck to the, like, tacky paper. Uh, so it had never been walked on. So I had that for a while, and I don't remember through one of my moves. I think I just decided to get rid of it. But for a long time, I was like, this is going to be worth something someday. <laughs> it's not a Lego set. <laughs> right. But, yeah, that's the only like store decoration I ever got. So are you doing anything for Rogue Force Friday? Yes, I am. Um, I have a couple friends of mine at work that are moderately into Star Wars uh, that are going to be going with me to one of the Toys R Us midnight openings. So that's that's pretty much it. Just going to go to the opening, try to grab a couple of the toys that are coming out. I, I'm pretty sure, I feel like this, Force Friday is not going to be anywhere near as big as the one for The Force Awakens. So I'm not no. expecting like a long line or anything like that. I feel like you can probably get there just a few minutes before midnight and still get pretty good access to the new toys. What are you trying to get? Uh, mainly Lego sets and Funko Pops, which don't typically sell out. So I should be fine. I'm not going after any of the, like, the Black Series or anything like that, which would be the ones I think that would go first. So, yeah. So, explain further. What are you looking for? Oh, um, Funko Pops. I'll probably just... I'm not, I don't have any specific ones that I'm targeting, but I just want to grab a couple. Probably Trooper. Like I, I like the, uh, the Shore Trooper armor. I think that looks pretty cool, so I'll probably grab one of them. So, um, basically a Sandy Storm Trooper. Got it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's some differences, but the Jin <laughs> Erso, if I can find a Jin Erso Pop, that would be cool. Cassian would be a cool one. Um, but the main thing, I haven't decided yet, but I definitely want to get a Lego set. And I'm thinking I'm going to go for the U-Wing. Uh, but that's like 80 bucks, So 
It depends. I I think it's interesting that you already know these ships and these character names. I know no character names other than Jin or so. That's it. Oh, I don't really? remember a single other character's name. Nope. I don't nothing. And it's it, it's funny because I feel like I should, but I'm not even really excited to go out for Rogue Force Friday. I I think I don't know if we're going to or not, and I there's nothing I have to have. For me, I think I have to see this movie first. Yeah, it's I, just not the same as it was for The Force Awakens for me, where I was like, ah, I need all the Ray and the Baby Eight and the Poe and the Finn and the everything, and I know everybody's name. Yeah, I, I this think... is not this is not that for me. Not because I'm not excited. I am excited, but I want to see the movie first because otherwise I'm going to be buying all these toys of characters that are just going to die. So it's like the. Um... It's like the Captain Phasma fear of she looked so cool and then you buy all the merchandise and then you watch the movie and you're like, oh, I picked the wrong character. <laughs> that, that happened to one of my friends at work. He just loved, like he thought Captain Phasma was going to be the greatest thing ever and bought all this merchandise on Force Friday last year. And then he took it recently, you know, he kind of took it all down from his desk because he's like, I just don't like the character. There's nothing, you know, she didn't do anything. So. Well, you got you know, give her another movie. She's not dead. Well, he didn't throw this stuff out. He'll just have to take it back out of his drawer, out of the drawers. Yeah, and, and then I'd be like, Fairweather fan, Fairweather fan. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think a lot of people are. Do kind I of know this person? With, with, <laughs> I'm uh, hoping it's. I'm hoping it's one of your coworkers that's on Twitter. But I, I'll I give know. you his uh, his tw- his Twitter handle. All right, I should I'm say it on the show, then everyone so can bad. tweet at him. Yes, do it. <laughs> Do it. I'll, I'll, I'll see. Maybe. Uh, that okay. would be mean. But That would be hilarious. <laughs> I think a lot of people are waiting. It's kind of a wait and see thing with Rogue One. I, I agree with you. Even I feel like the U-Wing is pretty safe. They've shown a lot about it. What is a U-Wing? It just looks like a U? Because that's weird. Not really. It doesn't really look like a U. It, so then why do they do And the A-Wings don't look like A's. Sometimes the, the shape has to do with the name and other times it's like a you know like b-wing it's a, it's because it's blade yeah, a, a b-wing does not look like a doesn't B. look like a b it's because blade so things like that um yeah i don't know u-wing it does i mean it definitely has if you look at the ship from a certain angle you can see why they call it a u-wing but it's not like the letter u flying through the space the schnozberries um, taste like schnozberries <laughs> But it it has wings that flip backwards, and the, it's it looks pretty cool. And it comes with really good minifigs. That's another reason why I want that one. Okay, so let's let's talk about this for a second. We're Ever spending a lot started, of time on Force Friday. We are, but no, no, no. This isn't about Force Friday. This is about you. Okay. 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 So get get ready. It's it's interview Aaron time. So since you started doing Star Scavengers, are you slowly turning into a collector? Is that what's happening? Because I feel like that's happening. It's kind of happening for Lego oh, specifically. Oh, everything. The world is coming to an end. Aaron is turning into a collector. Everybody freak out. Freak I know. Out. I, I have two eBay bids out right now for some oh my God. classic, you know, some vintage castle Lego sets. I actually won one oh by accident. Gosh. I was like, no. I was like, I'm not going to win this bid. And then I got an email. You won the bid. I'm like, oh, crap. I got to pay for that thing now. <laughs> so yeah, I think Lego. Lego has always been something I loved from you know way back when I was a child. But just with Star Wars Lego, kind of 
coming out full force right now because of all the Star Wars movies coming back and then starting the podcast about Lego. It's definitely, yeah. If anything, that's the thing I collect right now is Lego. You know what's what's funny about that to me? You have two small children. Yes. Who are going to assume that they're, your Lego sets are theirs. And what? how do you plan on combating that? I've already dealt with it. Oh, well, I mean, I've already had to deal with it. Not that I've figured it out. I haven't figured it out. I uh, Quinn just ruined one of my uh, Batman Lego minifigs just the other day. So oh, no. I had an Obi-Wan, uh, one of those build an action figure uh, Lego sets, you know? Mm-hmm. And I had one of those, and Quinn destroyed that. Um, it, like, destroyed it to where you can't rebuild it? See, I don't have a lot of patience. So, you know, once I build something <laughs> once... And then he takes it apart, and then pieces end up in three different rooms in my house and the bottom of his toy box, and I don't have the patience to try to find all the pieces, so it's just like I give up. I'm like, all right, it's yours now. So that's happened to about four sets now. Oh, the joys of parenting. I'm I'm still figuring that out. I'm not a parent, so I'm like, I'm dying over here. I'm like, oh. The key is just put them on higher shelves. You higher shelves or... Lock them in a room that the kids can't get. Put one of those little plastic handles on the door that they try to grab the knob and it spins around. <laughs> My solution is actually when I buy sets, I just I build them at work. I display them at work. They rarely make it to my house because the ones that have made it to my house are the ones that get destroyed. Mm. So. Yep. Scary life you lead, sir. <laughs> so, yes, Force <laughs> Friday, U-Wing. Maybe some pops. And that's pretty much it. All right. All right. Cool. Yeah. I don't really know if there's anything I want, and I don't know if I'm going anywhere, but we'll see. We will see. So, book club, we are currently doing Life of Debt in our book club right now. Oh, by the way, this is Star Wars Bookworms number 62. <laughs> yeah, we are going to talk about Star Wars we, literature, we, not just Force we, Friday we are, and, and Aaron's Lego collecting. Yeah, but this is Star Wars Bookworms number 62. I'm Teresa Delgado, and this is Aaron Goins, and we have a book club. So go over to Goodreads, go to goodreads.com and look for Star Wars Bookworms, and you'll find our book club over there. And currently, we're doing Life Debt. That's wrapping up, though. Uh, yes. It should be done soon. And then the Ahsoka novel comes out on October 11th, so guess what we're going to do? Ahsoka. Yes, we're we're gonna wait till the eleventh. Um, we not really time to start a new book before then. So, right. life debt. We're wrapping up. We've been talking about life debt for a while over there, and I think it's it's kind of already wound down. Uh, we're we're not getting too many more comments, so I think people are ready for the next book. So Ahsoka will be that one, but we won't start discussing. I know a lot of people have actually already gotten copies of it, one way or Me. another, but. We won't start discussing it until it's actually released, and then um, everyone can jump in and start talking about it. October yeah, 11th. Yeah, it's funny. Um, Ahsoka comes out on my husband's birthday. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Nice. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Maybe I'll... You know, and you know what else comes out on October 5th, I believe? The Ahsoka Pop Vinyl exclusive to Hot Topic. Yes. Now, that's one that I wish they were doing on Force Friday. That would make me more excited to go out and find one. Yeah, I need that. Also, the Rebels pops start coming out in November. Yay! So excited. So, New York Comic Con's coming up. We were talking about the Ahsoka novel coming out. E.K. Johnson, the writer of Ahsoka, is going to be at New York Comic Con. She's also taking uh, part in the big Star Wars 
writers roundtable panel. Um, but Ashley Eckstein will be there as well. Uh, so they're going to do a signing. I think they're doing signings actually at New York Comic Con. But then they're also going to be doing a signing at the Barnes & Noble in downtown New York City um, on Sunday at 5 p.m. So if, if you're up in New York City, you don't even have to be at New York Comic Con to go to that. And you can actually go and meet Ashley and the author of Ahsoka and get your book signed. Cool. So I'm really cool. upset because they're doing a signing in Tampa and an event at the Tampa book, um, Barnes and Noble. And I'm like, dang it. I don't live there anymore. And because that was the store I used to go to all the time. Yeah. They're not going too many places. It seems like they're doing New York city. I know they're doing, uh, some down in Florida. And then I think they're doing it like all the way out in LA. Well, I'm not surprised they're doing Florida. Um, Ashley, lives part-time in Florida. So that makes sense. And then she lives in LA. So that all that makes sense. Right. So yeah, unfortunately they're not coming anywhere near me. They are coming to New York and I was actually already going to be leaving New York city before this signing. And I changed my schedule so I could stay longer because I definitely want to attend this. So I'm going to try to do that. Cool. Um, and then they're also having uh, really the only Star Wars panel across all of New York Comic Con, which is sad because they used to always do, you know, the Clone Wars panels. They used to do Rebels stuff. Uh, they did used to do screenings and exclusives and all this kind of stuff. For whatever reason, New York Comic Con's not getting any of that this year. But the uh, the one Star Wars panel that they are doing is a big writers roundtable. With um, they're going to have Charles Soule, Tim Zahn, Chuck Wendig, and E. K. Johnson all on this panel. So I think that's so that's uh, Char- Charles Soule. He does a lot of the Marvel comics. I believe he did Lando. I think he's doing Poe Dameron um, and Obi Wan and Anakin. I think those three series he's worked on. And then Tim Zahn obviously is going to be writing Thrawn. Chuck Wendig he's doing the aftermath novels, um, the two that are already out plus the upcoming Empire's End. And then obviously E.K. Johnson's doing Ahsoka. So. Pretty good panel, all current writers for Star Wars. And I don't know, hopefully they'll be maybe announcing something new as well. When it comes to Star Wars at New York Comic Con, it seems like the only representation is for books and comics, which is cool for our show. Um, So I'll be able to hopefully catch this panel. Unfortunately, it actually is going up against another thing that I love, which is Doctor Who. Uh, A big Doctor Who panel is happening at the same time. So that's going to be a tough decision for me, but hopefully I can... Um, You do this show, so... Well, I do another. I do a Doctor Who podcast as well. So nobody knows. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully, I can either attend this or at least catch the audio from it. Uh, send somebody to to grab audio. Uh, but it it looks like it'll be a pretty send a minion. <laughs> Riley's gonna be there. He he's always got his recorder. I'll, I'll have him go over there and record something. But um, and then I I know Adam Bray's gonna be there. Friend of the show. Um, who has written, you know, helped write a lot of the resource guides and things like that for Star Wars. And then Jason Fry is also going to be attending New York Comic Con. I don't think they're on any panels, but I know they're going to be there, so they'll probably be doing book signings. And I actually already talked to Adam Bray, and uh, and hopefully I'll be getting a short interview with him while I'm there. Awesome. So, yep, New York Comic Con next week. Yay, New York Comic Con. Wow, that's crazy. It came so fast. Yep. 
Well, we do have a couple of emails we want to get through, so I'm going to start with one from Michael. This is from Michael Morrissey. He said, hey, bookworms, I'm Michael Morrissey, and I wanted to drop you a line and say how much I love the show. It occupied many hours of my work days back when I was still plugging away at a day job. I actually caught up with the latest episode on a road trip this weekend. Now, let's just, just um, pull back the curtain by this weekend. We mean back in May. Yes, so, Michael sent us this email way back in May. Um, we accidentally like unflagged it, so we just realized we hadn't read it. So that's why we're reading it now. And it, he said, it dawned on me that I should write in and say from one Star Wars obsessive to another that I think the show is great. I'm really looking forward to you guys talking about Bloodline, which we're doing tonight. He said, which I'm loving. Claudia Gray is quickly becoming one of my favorite Star Wars novelists. I wanted to also toss something your way just as a friendly share. I work as a writer, mainly in comics. My most notable books are Roche, Rock Limit, Roke Limit, something Limit from Image, Burning Fields from Boom, and I have some DC work coming later this year. Last December, for the release of The Force Awakens, I collaborated with some buddies of mine to create our own Star Wars comic just for fun. If you want to check it out, you can see it down below. And so he gave us the link and stuff, and it's pretty cool. He says, take care and keep up the fantastic work. May the Force be with you, Michael. So thank you, Michael. And he's at Michael, M-O-R-E-C-I, Michael Morrissey, on Twitter. So you can follow him, and he does do... Uh, comic stuff, which is pretty cool. Uh, I really like Claudia Gray too. Yes, and see, that's the real reason why we waited to read this email until now because we're reviewing <laughs> Bloodlines. Don't today. lie. That's a better excuse. Lie, lying to the people. <laughs> but yeah, I did actually check out the Star Wars comic that he did with his friends, and it's really good. It's really cool. He's, he does. It's like a, a number of different, almost like short stories. Um, with you know main characters that we we know, it's not official Star Wars comics, but it's like fan stuff. But it's still really good. So mm-hmm. we we'll, we should uh, put the link in the show notes uh, once yeah, we release sure. this episode, so people can check it out. This is an email from Dante. Hello, congrats on getting too many emails for one show. I had to take a break from writing into the show last month. My wife grabbed my Jabba Sum Sum and pretended it was what. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to read that. I can't say that word. I just that's a weird word for me to say out loud on a podcast. Okay, I'll do it. (laughs) He said last I had to take a break from writing into the show. Last month my wife grabbed my job a Sum Sum and pretended it was poop. So it's been rough lately. You're Uh, welcome. Go ahead. Thanks. I wanted to write in regard in regards to the discussion on how characters can differ when portrayed in different media forms. I always look at this through the guise of it being a story told to us from third parties. It's from a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away after all. So each medium comprises different types of people telling us the stories. The movies are told to us by documentarians. The books are by people who embellish the story. Comics are by people who make stuff up, although this doesn't mean they are bad stories. Cartoons are by exaggerators. That's how I get around the non-Jedi characters being able to jump so high. I still enjoy all these mediums regardless of my views on each of them, and I understand from a story group perspective it's all canon, and that's fine of course, but this is just how I interpret the Star Wars storytelling art form. Thanks for the shows and the work you both put into it, Dante. Ooh, teeny! So, yeah, that's an interesting... Sorry! Hi, cat. We got, did, did the cat hear the utini and it's trying to match yes. me? Yes. Okay, yes. <laughs> that's pretty good. I think I think uh, the cat did a better Utini than I did. But, <laughs> that's Luna. So yeah, I think it's a pretty interesting perspective. Um, I definitely get where he's coming from. 
Um, and I kind of like how he, the different types of storytellers and the different mediums, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty cool way to think of it. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I determined from that email read? What? I'm going to read the summary for the book. The, yeah. <laughs> I think the, the whole, the, the Jabba thing threw me off. I was, I was like, <laughs> Dante almost got me to say that word on a, on a podcast. I don't, I, I, it's I don't not think, a bad word. It's not a bad word. It's just a weird thing to say out loud. Poop? Dante. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a weird word. <laughs> almost got me, Dante. Almost. Try again next time. All right. We have another email here. It's from Nathan. He said, hey, y'all, I've started listening to y'all's podcast, and it is great. Keep it up. Where is the discussion board for when you are reading books as a group? Go to goodreads.com slash Star Wars Bookworms or in groups or goodreads.com slash group slash I don't know. Go to goodreads.com. Go to the search in the groups thingies (laughs) and look for Star Wars Bookworms, and you'll find it. And then there are message boards right there. I've always been a Star Wars fan, but I was too young for a lot of the EU books. I picked up A New Dawn when it came out and dived into the new canon books and have eaten them up. I've enjoyed y'all's take on the new canon and books. Thanks so much, Nathan. First of all, thank you for saying y'all five times. That was awesome. And also spelling it correctly. Well done. (laughs) What? Just, that's your language. It is my language. You come from where I come from. Is he from Texas? I have Do no you know idea. This? No, no, we don't. We don't have a clue. I have cousins in Kentucky, and they say y'all too. So it could be. Who knows? And then, last but not least, David Motters uh, sent us a couple emails, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll read the first one. Hey guys, I haven't emailed in quite a long time. Been listening to every episode though. I have been meaning to take a picture of all the Star Wars stuff on my desk in my office, but I needed one addition before taking this photo. The Star Wars Bookworms pin I received from Aaron at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim in 2015. And then he, he says, can you guys find it? Hint, it's near the old, or it's near the droids. Just wanted to say hi and have a little fun with you guys. Take care, David Motters. And then he sends us a picture, kind of like a Where's Waldo, I guess, where it's Where's the uh, Star Wars Bookworms pin? Mm-hmm. Did you yep, find it? I found it. Oh, yeah, I found it right away. It wasn't that hidden. And then he gave us a follow-up, second picture, with uh, yeah. also trying to find the pin. So thanks, Dave. We always like uh, getting emails from you, um, even if it's just pictures of Star Wars Bookworms pin. You should take the pin with you everywhere and take pictures of it. That would be cool. Yeah. Find a really so, cool like, um, like landmark and then oh take yeah. a picture with it. That'd be neat. That'll be your next one. We also have, we have an email here from Mark Mulcaster, but we're not going to read it yet because it is a short review of Aftermath Life Debt. And so we're going to save that one um, for when we actually review the book. So I think we're at the point of reviewing a very exciting book. Yes. So we are finally getting to one of the more recent novels from Del Rey, uh, Star Wars Bloodline. And this was written by Claudia Gray, release date May 3rd, 2016. So we're way past the window of spoilers, so we will be spoiling this book. And this is a publisher, Del Rey. And since you said you wanted to read the summary because I was falling all over myself reading emails, go ahead. <clears throat> okay. Better be Get good. ready for some awesome. I know. And don't, don't mess up. 
Witness the birth of the resistance. When the rebellion defeated the empire in the skies above Endor, Leia Organa believed it was the beginning to a lasting peace. But after decades of vicious infighting and partisan gridlock in the New Republic Senate, that hope seems like a distant memory. Now a respected senator, Leia must grapple with the dangers that threaten to cripple that fledgling democracy from both within and without. Underworld kingpins, treacherous politicians, and imperial loyalists are sowing chaos into the galaxy. Desperate to take action, senators are calling for the election of a first senator. It is their hope that this influential post will bring strong leadership to a divided galaxy. As the daughter of Darth Vader, Leia faces with distrust the prospect of any one person holding such a powerful position, even when supporters suggest Leia herself for the job. But a new enemy may make this path Leia's only option, for at the edges of the galaxy, a mysterious threat is growing. Good job. Thanks. That was definitely better than I would have done. I didn't mess it up. (laughs) (laughs) I made Bria do it when she was on. Oh, yeah? Yeah. (laughs) I was like, you could do that. We make all our guests do it. (laughs) Lying again. (laughs) But terrible. So... So this book, just to kind of set the the stage for it, um, as far as where it happens, this happens only six years before The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the coolest things about this book. Um, I know a lot of people are just excited for that, you know, thirty year gap between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, and kind of find out what all happened there. And so with the aftermath novels, we're getting like right after Return of the Jedi, but this is the first novel that we're getting that's significantly later than Return of the Jedi. Um, So I thought that was pretty cool. And kind of thinking about what that means for like, how old is Leia at this time? Even something like, you know, Ben Solo, you know, at this point, he's not Kylo Ren yet. You know, he hasn't turned uh, yet. So that's, you know, he's probably a teenager. So just kind of thinking about even things that weren't necessarily addressed in the book. If you kind of figure out the timeline, it's, it's cool to think about what's going on in the galaxy. Mm hmm. Yeah. So overall, I mean, I know you read this a while ago and I just finished it up, but did you like it? Um, I did like the book. Uh, it's It hasn't been one of my favorites of the new canon, but I did like it. There, there are things about it just for my you know personal taste and what I like to see in Star Wars books that are missing. Um, but it was definitely a well-written book. There were elements of the story I liked. There were characters that this this book add added to the canon that I really like and I hope to see more from. Uh, so overall, it was definitely a book that I enjoyed. So what what was lacking from the book? And might as well kind of get that out of the way before we move into really diving into it. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll probably touch on some of the points as we go through the different elements. But, oh man, I'm probably going to take some some heat for this one. I've never been a big fan of Princess Leia as a character. So I think because this book is Burn! all yeah. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> uh, so many people you've are like, never what? read, you've never read heir to the empire. No, <laughs> <laughs> I have, but no. Yeah. Just that character f- for me has never been one of my favorites. And this book does a really good job of portraying princess Leia um, as princess Leia. Like it writes her the way you would, you know, her from the movies. And I never was a fan of her in the movies. So it translates over to the book, which is part of the reason why it's not one of my favorites. 
Um, I know a lot of people were excited for a book like this, you know, a political thriller starring Princess Leia. I know people have been asking for a novel like this for years. And I know certain people that are friends of ours that are big Star Wars fans that love the idea of this book. But when I heard, first heard it announced, I love the idea of it being set, you know, six years before The Force Awakens. The fact that it was a political thriller focused on Princess Leia, that wasn't something that I've, I've necessarily been waiting for. But I don't. I you're. I know you like Leia. I know you're. You're more of a Padme fan. But you also. I am like, a Padme. You are a Padme. I am a Padme. Uh, but you. <laughs> you do like Leia though, right? That she. She is a character you enjoy. Am I right? I mean, I like her. I don't dislike her. Okay. You know, do 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 I absolutely like? You know, does is Leia like my hero? No. Is she my spirit animal? No. No. What That's is your Padme. What is your Patronus though? It's a Manx cat. Manx cat. Nice. It's awesome. I'm a, uh, mine's a Saint Bernard. Yeah. Steve was very upset because he got a great gray owl, and he was upset that he oh, didn't get cool. a bear. Yeah, well, he was upset that he didn't get a bear, and I said, look, you know, your Patronus is what is your protector, not what you feel like you are. Exactly, yeah. That's kind of how I came to grips with mine being a dog. I was like, eh, eh. But, but anyway, Harry, Harry Potter um, aside, but I'm Princess still, Leia... I need to do Harry Potter bookworms, I'm just saying. The things no, but, that I enjoyed <laughs> about this book, like, the, I did enjoy a lot of the characters and some of the story elements. Leia wasn't part of that. She wasn't what I enjoyed. But did you enjoy her, you know, as a character in the book? I mean, obviously she's not your favorite thing, but do you think that she was written well? Do you feel like she was... I think Claudia Gray wrote her perfect. She wrote, um, I'm trying to, like, kind of the way I would compare Chuck Wendig and how well he wrote Han Solo is the same way. I feel like this this new batch of authors are really writing these characters the way that they've been portrayed in the films and they did, they just, they got the voice and that. I think she did awesome. I think she really portrayed Leia the way I think Leia would have been at this time. So it's not anything to do with the writing. It's just more of a personal preference on characters. I just don't, I've never really enjoyed Leia. Some of the ways that Leia acted throughout the novel, she has this kind of, uh, this way about her where she doesn't trust anyone but herself so and she's very much like thinking, hey, I'm the one I know best. I'm the smartest person in the room, so I don't need to listen to these other people. And that's kind oh, of see, always. See, I don't feel like that was her at all. That's so interesting. Yeah, because... it's different, be... different interpretation, I guess. I don't know that for me, that's how I felt. It, even with the political stuff, it was like, I'm the only one that's going to stand up and say this and no one else will do this. And I, it's it's all on me kind of thing. And. It, it was like her against the world. And I'm thinking there's how many hundreds or thousands of these senators there can't, you can't tell me there's not a handful of them that would have sided with her if she had gone around and tried to find some allies, but it just seemed yeah, like, like she, two. Yeah. Well, she didn't even try. It was like, she was waiting for people to come to her and support her as opposed to her, maybe trying to rally up support from, it just seemed well, very. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> so I grew up in politics. Okay, and I think that's why I thoroughly enjoyed this book, because this book was very relatable to me as far as the political aspect of it. It's very real of what the political climate can be. And 
a lot of times when you're in those positions and just from what I viewed with people, the family members that have been elected officials and being working for elected officials and stuff like that, it does feel exactly like what Leah was saying. So her perspective on it is very similar to how a lot of even our current elected officials view things. So it's not so much about not going out and finding support. It's about the fact that there is such a thing as status in the political world. And you hold status based on things like your war record, like, for example, for Leia, um, being some sort of royalty in her case, you know, goes into this. Uh, and so there's protocol. And she doesn't have to rally support or find people to help her because she has this level of power, really, and that she has acquired over the course of all of the work that she's done since she was 14. And it's very similar to what really happens. You know, I, there are times when you're going to have to go and find allies and you find allies in the weirdest places, which is how she kind of got thrown in with Ransom Casterfo. Um, but it was so realistic that I was like, wow. That's what actually happens. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I think the the political stuff was, you know, it's so for me. Like you know how you always talk about how you don't like space battles. I like it, space battles. If Claudia Gray writes well, okay. space battle, but in general, <laughs> yeah, you don't like to read about space battles. I I'm kind of that way with the politics of Star Wars. I like to know the political climate of Star Wars and I like to get that from maybe a reference guide or like, you know, what government was in power when and how this this one toppled and this one took over. That type of stuff is interesting to me in a very short form. But when it's an entire novel that's really getting into like, you know, the speeches that are being given and kind of the the meetings that are happening behind closed doors and trying to negotiate for this or negotiate for that. It, it's just not my cup of tea. So mm -hmm. I was kind of plotting through that stuff to get to the things that I did find interesting, which there were plenty of things I found interesting about this novel, but the politics and that kind of stuff wasn't. Um, so, yeah. So we've established, I'm not a huge fan of Leia. I'm not a huge fan of politics in Star Wars. And that's pretty much what this book is. So it was already fighting a, a losing battle with me as a fan. But in the end, I still really liked it. So that, that's got to say something for the novel. Mm-hmm. For sure. So. I, I mean, for me, I absolutely loved it. I loved everything about it. I thought it was written perfectly. I thought all of the characters were awesome. I did it through audiobooks, so I got to hear really cool voices, which was neat. Uh, I... I don't know. I mean, it was it was just wonderful. And the politics is perfect. I mean, that's part of the reason that I absolutely love the original trilogy is because I do love all of the politics stuff that's going on in there and the government and the fall of the government. And, you mean and the prequels? All, what did I say? You said original trilogy. That's not what I meant. You meant prequels? <laughs> yeah. I meant prequels. <laughs> My original trilogy. Right. Yeah. I guess that's true. <laughs> uh you know, it's something that really appeals to me. And I loved everything you were like, I don't like that about politics. I'm like, oh, I do. Yeah. I loved all the speeches. I loved when they got into the Senate halls. I loved, you know, having to, to bid to get to be able to speak on the floor. I loved all of that. And the droids being like, um, the Senate now recognizes Leo Organa. I was like, yay. 
you know, <laughs> it was just, it was so cool. And for me, it was just, it was, I don't know. It was. No, that's good. I, that's the, you know, I've said it many times and I'll say it again. It's the beauty of Star Wars. You know, when they're writing this stuff, they have something for everyone. And I think this book is like right up your alley. This is a perfect mm-hmm. book for you. Whereas something like Twilight Company, which I really liked, not up your alley. You no. Know? So I think that's, you know, that's kind of the beauty I got of this. so confused during that book. <laughs> so, well, let's talk about some of the details. So we, we've been talking about the politics. There, there are kind of two sides here. you got the centrists and the populists. And Leia is a populist, right? Mm-hmm. Centrists are all about strong government, power to the government. The populists are about power to the people, taking, you know, not relying so much on the centralized government. Um, and I guess these two groups have kind of formed after after Mon Mothma uh, was no longer the chancellor, which we don't we still don't know when that happens. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We just know she isn't the chancellor anymore at this point. And I believe at least as things are right now in the aftermath book, she still is. So yeah, these these two groups have formed, but Leia is very disenfranchised with the whole process. She just like nobody's getting anything done, and she's basically ready to step away from everything. Which I thought, as much as she was ready to step away from everything, it's funny how it ended up becoming the opposite of that, and she almost became the president or the <laughs> what they call the first senator. Now that's not a president. That is what is known as the new emperor. Right. Yeah. So it was kind of funny. She's like, yeah, I think I'm going to, you know, step away from this after this one mission. And then next thing you know, she's like, you know, about to get elected to be. Well, that's because Lady Carice Sindian is a jerk face. Yeah, that's an interesting character that they introduced. Um, Lady Carice. I'm going to punch Lady Carice in the Carice face. I like the kind of the introduction of this kind of the idea of the royals, you know, Mm -hmm. the. The Alderanian, you know, houses. We've heard about them before. We know Leia is a royal. She's a princess. You know, she has that title. But for them to kind of introduce that, um, even this late in the game, and Leia's kind of like, you know, that stuff's all ceremonial. It doesn't matter anymore. But this this Lady Carice is still clinging on to this stuff of the past. It was a pretty interesting uh, idea to introduce. Yeah, she... Uh... She gets on my ever living nerve. She's like this little prissy girl that's obsessed with being royal and you know and all this stuff. And she ends up being the person who's actually architecting the first order, which I was like when that finally came across, I was like typical backstabbing female. Uh, I don't know. Architecting might be myself. giving her a little too much credit. She's definitely involved in you know what's going on behind the scenes with that stuff, but um. I think other people are probably at the top. She's she's just oh, yeah. uh, one of their henchmen, really. Yeah, but still. You know, and then she does this terrible thing. Terrible thing. She and and she oh, okay. So she she outs Leia as being the daughter of Vader to everybody. But she specifically does it to Ransom Castarfo, who is Leia's new ally, but he's also a centrist, and so she outs Leia to him, and then he outs her to everybody else in the city, and now she's just like a, you know, a, I don't know what you'd call like a, an, a I don't know, something gross. <laughs> an outcast? Uh, no, I was trying, using, trying to leper? use a leper. <laughs> sure. <laughs> a flea, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and everybody doesn't, they don't like her, they don't trust her, or whatever, 
And, but the best thing about all of that is that she totally gets like everything she cares about taken away from her, which was so amazing at the end. I was so happy because at the end, you're not allowed to do that. So basically, she was a gut. She got named the governor of the of Buren, and that was supposed to be Leia's position. But Leia gave it to her because obviously Lady Carice cares more about those things, and she's supposed to protect the royal seal and all of the secrets that go along with it. And this knowledge was a part of that. And so because she used that and did not protect it as her role of governor she had all of her titles taken away from her which is the only thing she really cares about and i was just like best ever (laughs) and leia just was like yeah it all got taken away from you sorry in the whole book she's known as lady carice and at the very end leia's like i'm sorry carice i was just like Yeah, in, and fun fact about Lady Carice, she's actually from the planet Ar- Arcanus, mm-hmm. which is the planet that is from the um, Servants of the Empire books that they have that secret academy on. Yep. So that was a, a nice tie-in there. So, I mean, there were some really cool characters in here. I, I think one of my character, my favorite characters was probably Greer. Yeah. I did really like her. I like Greer a lot. She was one of my favorites as well um yeah i like the idea she just she was this really cool you know pilot character but she has kind of a secret of her own and i like just the back and forth with her and leia uh, she has a cool little attitude to her that i, I really liked and um they kind of introduced the idea of like joff having like a crush on her which i thought was funny um but yeah that was one of one of the characters i really liked and i guess she has she, she has a history with han um, as far as the reason why she is with Leia, you know, she was like a, a racing pilot, I guess, that Han knew. So, yeah, she was a cool character. Mm-hmm. And I really like that they brought Han into the story the way that they did. And as much as they did, he didn't have to be there a ton, but he was there just enough. And I thought that was really cool. Um, I thought the bad guy, Rin Riven Die, I thought he was really neat, but he he had a Django Fett death. That was just like, oh, and bye. And he's dead. And now, goodbye. Before we talk, because I do want to talk about Rin Riven Die, but before we jump into that, you had mentioned, you know, Han, and I, I kind of want to talk about Han and Leia's, like, relationship at this point. Because we know where they end up, you know, with The Force Awakens, but we don't really know how they got there. And, you know, we know where Han and Chewie are, we know where Leia is in The Force Awakens, but everything's a little bit different right now. You know, Han and Leia seem to still be very close at this point. You know, they're calling each other pretty regularly. It's almost like they have this long distance relationship going on, but they're still very much together, Mm -hmm. which I thought was very interesting because by the time the force awakens rolls around, it seems like they're no longer together. Um, It's not like they've, you know, are divorced or anything, but they're just, they're not communicating. Like Han's like, she doesn't want to see me. Um, So, so that's pretty, it's interesting um, you know, that at this point they're even talking about like when she's going to leave the Senate that they, she might just start kind of, you know, gallivanting around the galaxy with him, which I think it's sad knowing where they could have gone and where they ended up. Well, you know, I think a lot of what tore them apart is what ends up happening with Ben. Cause at this point, Ben is with Luke right? and that hasn't gone down yet. So 
I would imagine her starting the resistance and whatever goes down with Luke is what, and Luke and Ben is what causes what happens between her and Han. And it's, I almost want like a book in between <laughs> I hope because we get I, need, one. I need some explanation. Well, you know, and I think that even the way this book ends, I feel like it's set up for some sort of a continuation. You know, yes, there, there are a few things that aren't we, really tied up. We've said that about two of Claudia Gray's books now, Lost, Lost Stars time. and this one. There is room for more story, please. And there, and she's, and the author is smart in the way she writes this stuff because she doesn't, you know, tie everything up in a nice little bow. There's definitely threads that can continue on. So hopefully, these publishers will take advantage of that. And seeing how popular she has been as a writer with the new Star Wars stuff, that you know, we will, we will get continuations to these stories. I mean, like Casterfo, for example. You know, the book ends. He's he's kind of sent off to prison. You know, about to be executed. Yeah, and that's it. Like we don't know terrible. what happens to him. <laughs> like, so it's like, you know, do they mount a rescue and go get him out? Because her at the at the end, although her him and Leia have a falling out, by the end they they've kind of reconciled. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of sad that he he goes out on a limb for her later on when everyone else has turned their back on her because of the whole Vader thing. And he, although initially is part of the problem, he quickly realizes his fault and kind of tries to make it up to her. But it's too late at that point. Yeah, I don't know. You know, and speaking of Lost Stars, they bring in uh, a character that was in Lost Stars, which is Yindor, who is an emissary to the Senate and kind of kicks all of this stuff off because Yindor is the one that gets Leia interested in investigating Ritter and Die. And I was like, well, that's cool. And he's from Ryloth. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting that Ryloth, you know, kind of the last time we see some major stuff with Ryloth is, um, I guess, Lost Star, or not Lost Stars, um, uh, Lords of the Sith was was on Ryloth. But we don't know. It's it's just interesting that, I guess, in this book they reveal Ryloth still isn't part of the the Republic. It's they're an independent state. Um, so he's not a senator. He's just an emissary to the Senate asking for help. But, you know, a lot of the sen- senators are like, no, we can't help you guys because you're not part of the Republic. Um, so Leia is the one that has to kind of stand up and, and you know, make that call. But I actually didn't remember him from Lost Stars. I didn't. It didn't stick out to me when I saw the name Yendor. I, I, I didn't notice it until you told me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I knew I had known that I knew that the name sounded familiar and so i had to go to my source which is you not wikipedia i always (laughs) just expect you to remember everything that one i didn't yeah that for whatever reason he didn't he didn't stick out to me he was part of um uh whatever the squadron was that thane was in Mm -hmm. which i'm forgetting now i think it was uh oh man it's i'm blanking on the squadron name corona squadron there we Um, go but yeah so but yeah, he plays kind of a, a a pretty important role here. Like you said, he kicks everything off. But okay, so let's talk about Ren Riven Dive for a minute. Um, first of all, everybody that is his species name seems to end with die. Yeah, I, they they do have, <laughs> you know, I'm a gun die that's from the Clone Wars who makes a very brief appearance, and they you know I they named him. I'm a gun die because they knew he was going to die, which I always didn't like that. I hate that they did that because it's such a cool looking character, but his name is so goofy that it's like, I don't know. It kind of ruins it. 
But yeah, I don't know. Is that a common last name or is there some sort of a connection between the two characters? I'm a Gundai was a Jedi. This guy is a crime lord. So I don't know if there would be a connection. But yeah, I thought the same thing. Uh, maybe it's just these two. I'm a Gundai and Rin Rivendai. There's, I have the page on the Nyctos, which is his species, pulled up. Um, so the Nycto were a humanoid sentient species native to the planet Quintan. Quintan? Quintan. Okay. I don't know how to pronounce it. They were identified by their two subspecies, the Cadasso Nycto, which are green, and the Cajason, Cad- Kajinsai Nikto. Okay, this stuff's crazy. <laughs> That's enough. That's enough. But and, um, they're basically the guys. A lot of them are on. There, a lot of them are on Jabba's barge and stuff. Like mm-hmm. you, you see them there. So that's that's that species. I actually remember. It's kind of funny because as I was reading this book, and you get the idea of these Nikto that have this like crime cartel and they're crime lords and. And it, it kind of reminded me of some of the old Dark Horse comic stuff because they actually had a a group of Nikto that were criminals as well. So I was like, oh, it's it's interesting that you know these Nikto are they always seem to be bad guys. Mm-hmm. Except for I'm gonna die, but he died. I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> oh my but this guy was cool though. I I actually really like this character. He's very charismatic. Um, you know, in his interactions with Leia, it was very entertaining. And he's the, you know, he, he pulls out this, this recording of Leia killing Jabba, which, you know, is part of the reason why he really respects Leia because she's the hut slayer. So I I thought all of that was really cool. And I actually thought this was a, a pretty good villain for a book. Well, you know, and the funny thing is, is that he wasn't really the villain of the book. He's a villain, it, definitely not the villain. He's not the villain of the book. It's but he, it's made to seem like he is. But he was very much a likable bad guy because you didn't really see his true colors until right before he died. <laughs> it's unfortunate that he died and not Carice. You know, Carice yeah. was the one that was, you know, really the kind of villainous character of the book when it comes down to it and she she ends up you know living to see another day but yeah Rin Riven who is a very interesting character that I would have loved to see kind of maybe make it uh into other material he's the one they they kill and like you said he kind of had a uh I don't know his death was very like oh he's dead anticlimactic something crashed into a tube or something I think that he was in no Leia was trying to escape from him and so she shot the trusses over the in the tunnel because they were on Sibensko and they were underwater and so she shot the trusses to get them to crash down and for him to get crushed by the weight of the water okay yeah so I, I knew yeah. he was in some kind of tunnel or something <laughs> kind of tunnel. but then it was but, you like know, the ship there was that... another really bad guy person in the book who was that Arlise Hadrasian. She was the oh, leader yeah. of the Amax. She's the leader of the Amaxine Warriors, and right. she's the one who assassinates the new populist. That was so candidate. sad. Yeah, she, it was really sad. I mean, she was a cool character too. Not that like I didn't like her, you know, because of her actions, but definitely a, an interesting type of character. Almost like this group of you know warrior assassins that um you know. 
that the first order seems to be pulling all these strings and they're, you know, financing the right people and trying to have, you know, some people are helping them, you know, build weapons. Other people are kind of their little army. They have ties into the politics. Like it's, you can start to see how the first order really started to gain power. And so I loved all of that, like those little threads. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were the, the Amaxine warriors were, were, were pretty cool. Well, I mean, it was interesting, you know, I, I don't know, there was just so much in this book, it's weird, because it's not like a super fat book, but there are tons of things in here, you could talk about all of this stuff for like forever, because there were so many little things, you know, I don't know, I don't know how to make sure we talk about everything, but like the relation, like Ransom Casterfo is a super interesting character, because he had all of these old imperial like helmets and stuff it was just super freaking creepy which i still and feel he like freaks is, me out at first yeah i think like the way that she wrote him at first you're like this guy is a bad guy you know he's got all these relics from the empire and it's like you know all over his office and it's almost some of the things that he was doing or saying were kind of unforgivable mm-hmm. in that he was you know kind of praising the empire and saying, oh, you know, that galaxy would be better if we had, you know, if it was still an empire, but not the empire that we knew, but something different. And you're just like, oh, this guy's got it all wrong. And then throughout the book, you're like, oh, actually, he's kind of a cool guy. So maybe I like him. But it didn't change the fact that he had all these empire decorations in his office. You know, like that was creepy. Yeah, I don't know. It was almost like they made it. They painted him in too bad of a light that it was hard to it was hard to redeem him by the end. I don't know. You know, he was he was redeemable in the end. Like I I felt really sad for what happened to him because I really did start to like him. And I I could feel Leia's pain in losing a friend. The way and the way she lost her friend. Like he didn't even bother to ask her anything about the fact that she was Vader's daughter before he just blasted her. And the other thing is, like, what are what is wrong with all these people? That, like, because she's Vader's daughter, who was obviously not around him at all growing up, that suddenly just because she's related to him that she's terrible? Like, what is that? I think it's, like, you know, you know how it is in politics. You know, people see any chink in the armor, and especially if they're on the opposing side, they just attack it, even if it's not valid. And mm-hmm. I think that's really what happened to Leia here, is the centrists saw this as their opportunity you know she probably would have won the election if it had come to an elect they saw this as the opportunity to basically you know ruin her and it's sad because yeah it doesn't matter who who her parents are and those are the people that did stick around and support her very the very few i think there were like two people Varish, that stood up for her yeah Varish vickley and the guy they got killed they put their own political careers on the line to defend her so but yeah, it was, and yeah, you're right. Casterfo, as much as they had bonded throughout the novel, and for him to kind of just turn on her like that without actually at least going to her and be like, "Hey, you know, is this true?" At least give her a chance to tell her side of the story before just announcing it to the whole Senate. I thought that was kind of low on his part. Mm-hmm. Definitely crappy. Definitely crappy. Definitely crappy. Now, you know what I don't understand? There's still a piece of it I don't understand. Who warned Leia for the napkin bombing? Who left her the note that said run? Who did that? So I think it was probably the people that actually, that 
uh, set the bomb. Um. I don't think they necessarily wanted to kill Leia at this point. I think they wanted to use her. And this was just a way to kind of, you know, get their attention. So I think it was more like, hey, let's have this big spectacle and blow up the Senate. But we don't necessarily want to kill all the senators because we still need to kind of manipulate them. So that's kind of how I see it. I'd been trying to figure that out for a while. And I don't know if it was explained in the novel. and Maybe somebody noticed it and I'm way off. But that's that's kind of the way I interpreted it in my, my reading of the book. Um, I did do some of the audiobook like you did. So I... I thought um I actually thought the audiobook was done pretty well overall. Um the the woman who does the audiobook actually did a really good Leia. She sounded just like her. Although maybe a mm-hmm. little on the young side. Um considering Leia was probably I don't know how old she would have been at this point, but probably in her 50s. Oh, I don't know. I'm terrible with that kind of thing. But yeah, so she sounded younger than I thought she would have based on the way that uh Carrie Fisher sounds in The Force Awakens. But overall, I thought the audiobook was good. The one thing I will say, because uh, we haven't talked about him yet, but Joff Seastriker, um, I think the voice that she used for him might have ruined the character for me. Oh, really? Yeah, I just didn't. Some, something about, he just sounded like a little kid in that. That's because um, he was a little kid. No, he's a, he wasn't, he's like a. He was young, he's 19. Yeah, but he's a pilot, like X-Wing pilot, so? like 19 year old. You know, your voice changes before 19. He's basically, well, for me, he was basically Ezra. Like, in my eyes, like, he was like an Ezra. As far as age and behavior and stuff like that, I was like, and it's Ezra. So uh, the, the way that Claudia Gray described him, um, I I went right to Josh Hutcherson, I think the guy's uh, name is, in my mind. That she's describing him as shorter. He's actually very short. Uh, short like, he's only a millimeter and a half is that what he said above the 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 shortest you can be as an x-wing pilot so you're talking like Peter from the hunger games yeah Peter. so yeah. so as i'm reading the description of him that's kind of who i visualized in my head i was like oh it sounds like Peter, and so that's kind of who was in my head as i'm reading the novel and then i today was reading through kind of trying to refresh my memory of this book i was reading through different wikipedia pages and apparently when Claudia Gray wrote that character, she was thinking of the same actor. So I thought that was kind of funny <laughs> that funny. I went there without even... She did such a good job of describing him that I didn't even know that I was thinking of the same actor. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, Joff, he's an interesting character to me because uh, a lot of times characters will grow on me over time if they're in enough material. And I'll start out not necessarily liking them and by like the third time they're in a novel, I'm like, I love this character. I kind of that way with like um, like someone like Ahsoka. Like at be- the beginning, I didn't like her at all, and now I love her. So I'm kind of wondering if that'll happen with Joff if he keeps showing up in other novels. But as of now, just his appearance in this novel, eh, I wasn't really a big fan. Yeah, I mean, I liked him fine. He was he was there. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like him and Corsella were just sort of there for me. I thought the whole idea of Bloodburn for a pilot was interesting. I had never heard of that being a thing before. Uh, so that was kind of odd, but cool, but weird. Yeah, um, it added like a little bit more of a, a backstory for Greer, so I, I appreciated that. I don't know if that's the first time we've ever heard of. I think it's a new thing. Like yeah, I don't think that's. Uh, I don't think that's been used before in Star Wars. Now you do have a note here, and I kind of wanted to mention it, but Chewbacca's not hanging out with Han anymore. No, which yeah, that's something um, you know, kind of in the whole Leia Han relationship thing. Um, 
you know, we know Han is involved in like this racing stuff. So he's not, you know, where he's at in the force awakens as like, I, I don't know what he is. I guess some kind of junk hauler. No, I don't know. He, what is he? He's kind of like a, he's not really a smuggler. He's, but he's like transporting cargo, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and Chewbacca is with him in the force awakens. But in this novel, they specifically say that Chewbacca is back on his home world with his family. So it's like, well, what happened where he decided to join back up with Han? That'll be an interesting, you know, thing to learn. But this book yeah. doesn't really explain it. Hasn't happened yet. So did you like how they got to where the resistance is being built up? I mean, did you think that the story flow was good to get us to that point? Because I felt like they did a really good job with it. I was really excited. I was like, oh, the resistance is coming, you know? Yes. Yeah, I did. I did. And, um, I like, you know, even the, before the awakening, before the awakening mm-hmm. uh, stories that we read where you kind of see Leia recruiting Poe and all of that. And, you know, so you get a little bit of the background there. I like how you're starting to see where these, you know, th- this is starting to all come together. Um, same with the first order, you know, how yeah. you're starting to see the beginnings of that. And even with, um, the aftermath novels, and some of the characters that are in there, I know you haven't read Life Debt yet, but some of the characters that are in Life Debt, you're starting to see kind of the seeds of the the First Order even all the way back then. So it'll be interesting well, to see like how that you know leads to this, to Bloodline, leads to The Force Awakens. So it all it's all connected. It, well, because Snap makes an appearance in this book. Snap does, yeah, very yeah, briefly, just like kind of seconds. in the background, right? Yeah. Yeah, and but it, it's interesting though, you know, and it's interesting how she calls all of her old friends together, and everybody's like, "Yep, we're here," you know, we do what we got to do, and I'm just like, "Wow, that's so neat." But you're right, like I love how it's all coming together. I really do think there there needs to be a book between Bloodline and The Force Awakens. And you kind of wonder too, with you know, with Snap, you know, we saw him in The Force Awakens, but before he was ever, you know, before we saw him in The Force Awakens, he was in um, Aftermath as Tem and Wexley, but when we were reading him in as Tem and Wexley, we didn't know that he was going to be in the force awakens. Mm-hmm. And I wonder with characters like Greer or like Joff, you know, if these are characters that maybe we will see in future movies where it's kind of, they already knew that, okay, there's going to be an X-wing pilot named Joff C striker in episode eight. Oh, that'd be cool. Let's put him in bloodline and kind of give him a little bit of a backstory. So maybe these people will pop up, not just in books. That would be really awesome. That would make me be more of a Joff fan. You know, (laughs) if he suddenly showed up in episode eight as this awesome X-Wing pilot, then I'd be like, okay, I'm on board. Joff's cool now. But I just like the fact that it's a possibility that they can do that. You know, that the world is so intertwined that this, that could easily be a reality at this point. Yep. So overall, I mean, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to hit on? No, I think that, covers most of it i mean we didn't go through kind of like a lot of the story points but you know i think we don't really have to um but yeah that covers everything for me you know i just i feel like i was a little down on it at the beginning like i did you know i do want to reiterate i did enjoy this book um for what it was it just typically this type of story isn't my you know my cup of tea so, but even though it's not, there were, there were a lot of things about it that I really enjoyed and, you know, it's definitely a good read and I would definitely recommend it to people. Um, especially if you're into the politics and stuff like that, uh, this was a book that, 
you know, people that are into that stuff will love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that the story is a really good story. I think that it's, I don't know how to describe it, but like, it definitely holds your attention and it, it definitely has light and shadow and things that make you nervous and things that get you excited and things that, you know, there will be points where you're like, well, you know, move the story along, but it's like any good book, you know? I mean, for me, I was really into reading it and people would call me and I'm like, try to got to make this short and trying to read my book here, <laughs> you know, cause I'm listening to it in my car. And so it was just like, I read it really fast. I found myself wanting to be in my car more so that I could read the book. Yeah, I think out of uh, out of all the new stuff that's come out, especially with the novels, I feel like this is the one that you've gotten. It seems like you've been the most excited for um, as you've read through it. Ah, uh, no. I mean, I know Lost Stars was as well, but yes. like this is like Lost Stars. It feels like that was a while ago. This is the first one in a while that I feel like you've really you've you've found. That would be true. With the new canon, I think you've found the ones that you, that you really connect with. I think I found my author. Yeah, like Claudia Gray might be your new favorite. Yeah, she is. So, I mean, if you had to put this somewhere, where would you put it in your... Because we've, we've been saying that, like, after all the books. Like, where would you put it? I mean, just to kind of give it... Uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to go through every, every novel that's come out. Well, but no. I think it's, you know, still things like dark disciple and um lords of the sith and lost stars those i would still put above this for me but something like you know heir to the jedi uh and tarkin would be below it so if that gives you kind of an idea where it falls on my scale yeah for me it's definitely lost stars bloodline and dawn of the jedi dawn of the jedi, dawn of the jedi. that's, I not, wish. What, that's I wish not what i meant that. that is not what i meant a new dawn <laughs> a new dawn um are definitely my top three right now. Really? A New Dawn? Uh-huh. Yeah. I think A New Dawn, for me, especially upon thinking back on it, it's it's kind of fallen more to the bottom. Well, Dark Disciple. I love Dark hmm. Disciple. I see. I did, too. So, I mean, th- that's those are the ones I've enjoyed the most, would be those. Yeah. And the Aftermath stuff, too, I would I would put um, both above this, too. See, and I haven't read Life Debt yet, and I didn't love aftermath so i've i've got to read life debt and see where i fall but like aftermath was it was all right it wasn't amazing but it wasn't it wasn't tarkin or anything yeah um, i'm really excited i think you'll like the second one uh i think you'll like 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 life debt better than you did aftermath and i'm really excited to see where they go with um empire's end mm-hmm. um you know life debt has a lot more like if you like the appearances of Han in this, you're gonna love the appearances of Han in Life Debt because it's a lot more, um, a lot more Han, a lot more Chewie. Leia's in it a lot actually, so it's it's for me it was a big improvement on Aftermath. But, okay, cool. But we'll get to our full review of that novel, uh, hopefully within the next couple months. Cool. Well, I think that wraps us up a little bit. Um, I do. We do kind of have a little bit of a show announcement. I don't know. Would you call it an announcement? Yes. Sort of disclaimer? Yes. I don't know. You're, yeah, you're, uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely want to share this information. So uh, I've, I've said it on some of my other shows, so if you've listened to those, then uh, you don't need to listen to this. But 
I have some pretty personal stuff going on that may take me away from the podcasting world a little bit. I, I know I will still be doing some of my shows and things like that. And I will still be on Bookworms, but I just won't be on every episode of Bookworms. So you can look for me on any of the episodes where we're recording novels um, but or reviewing novels. But um, Aaron will be doing a lot of the comic stuff and things without me. Not because I don't like comics, but just because of the schedule and the way that I need to structure things so that I can take care of stuff that's going on with me personally. That is what we're looking at. And so we just want to make sure that everybody knows that I am still a part of the show, but I need to take a little bit of two steps back from stuff for a little while. Yeah. And I'll have to find someone else to fill in for comics stuff uh, other than Bria probably now after this episode. Because she's she is a huge Leia fan, and she probably will never want to be on the show again. <laughs> you just alienated her. But coming up for the show, though, we do have some stuff in sites for reviews: Darth Vader Volume Two, Ray and Finn's story, and obviously Life Debt. So there is stuff coming up, and you know it's going to be fun times over here, especially since Rogue Force Friday is happening. I'm sure there's going to be stuff. Yes, and, and the- Ahsoka. The Ahsoka novel is coming out. Uh, Catalyst is coming out. So we have a lot of material coming. And I know with Rogue One coming out in December, there's going to be you know the different reference guides. So we we're DK stuff. We need to re- you know we've got year after year or year by year. We've got locations. Yes. So there's all kinds of there's stuff. There's always plenty of material for us to cover, and we will. We are continuing to get caught up on things, and I think with um, with the comics. I think we can we can blast through a bunch of those comic volumes. Mm-hmm. So we'll 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 try to we'll try to uh, increase the rate of these episodes coming out and uh, get caught up. Awesome. So in between shows, you can catch us on Twitter. We are at SWBookworms, and you can email us at StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash StarWarsBookworms. We're on iTunes. Uh, if you haven't left us a review yet and you enjoy our show, we'd love for you to head over to iTunes, leave us a nice five-star review. And you can find Teresa on Twitter and Instagram at IceColdPenguin. And Aaron is on Twitter and Instagram at AVGoin. So until next time, it's your turn. Keep on reading, and may the Force be with you. You make me say that? Yeah. You always say that. Uh, alternate. No, we don't alternate. We don't. We've done it like 90% of the time. That's true. I just... New rule. (laughs) 